I'm all about that fuss-free glam. Give me makeup that's versatile and feels like air on my skin and has ingredients that love my face, that's good for my face. You know, clean ingredients. And don't even get me started on mascaras because I do want them bold and lengthening. <laughs> and so we have Thrive Cosmetics, which I've been using since 2020, obviously because I appreciate their foolproof products that make it really easy to apply for any skill level. And they have a full line of makeup to refresh your everyday look, but also they give back. Every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive. Hence why it's Thrive Cosmetics, C a u s e medics thrive cosmetics and bigger than beauty skincare are not just makeup brands they're a whole vibe they're all about empowering us to rock our confidence and when you support them we are helping other communities thrive their stuff is not only easy to use but no nasties zero parabens sulfites phthalates they are 100 vegan and cruelty free let's talk lashes thanks to thrive's liquid lash extensions i must say that my lashes are just so beautiful and lush it adds lengths there are no clumps and also guess what it slides right off with warm water so no raccoon eyes here and i appreciate they have nourishing ingredients that support longer stronger and healthier looking lashes over time and it's a unique formula they use that creates these tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. We've had problems in the past with the link, but the link does work now. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com magic. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash magic for 10% off your first order. sometimes people think that the way that stepping out to do something scary works is at first you get over the fear and then you do the thing but that's typically not the way that it works it's actually reversed you just do it scared anyway and then once you get to the other side that's the only time that the fear goes away and I think the difference between people who are like really successful and people who sometimes get stuck on something is that they think that being unscared is the prerequisite so I think if you're like I'm really inspired about this but I don't like really know what to do like I think it just requires you jumping in and starting a thing and trying it before you feel okay I can do this the okay I can do this comes on the other side of trying it hello hello and Gemma it is Raquel and welcome to your own magic a podcast for the creative and the curious soul and oh my god Gosh, I just wrapped up my seven days worth of back-to-back -back interviews that I scheduled right after Mercury Retrograde. And I've, I've been loving batching interviews in advance so that way I'm not scrambling to figure out what in the world I'm gonna post week to week. That was that was kind of uh, hectic for, for four and a half years. We have a podcast, I highly recommend just trying out batching your interviews for a week or two back-to-back. -back. And then when you wanna share a solo, you can interject. I'll definitely have some solo in between right but it's just nice 
to have. So I love the structure, but I'll tell you what, right afterwards I felt a little drained. However, I've recharged and man, it's been, it's been a lot. I love planning the retreat, the upcoming retreat, which is in such a beautiful resort town in Utah. And I'm emailing those who have submitted the elaborate form. I'll be emailing you today around noon Pacific time. So keep your eye out for that as you know, I'm opening up spots and then I open it up to everyone else who filled out the initial form. So of course, feel free to still submit your interest if you're interested. I don't know how fast it will fill up. So there's a possible chance that, you know, if you are still interested in this women's retreat and it's quite intimate as well, then feel free to submit your interest that we still have room for this women's retreat. So we'll see. Brie and I are so excited. I asked people what they're most excited for. Of course, it was connecting with like-minded souls. That was what most people answered, but a lot of people, of course, also talked about how they're excited for healing and also channeling. And I'm, I love when Brie channels. And if you haven't been around someone who is channeling in a room, it's exciting. It's a shock a little bit at first, but then it feels like at ease at home. It's it's a cool experience. So, and of course, a lot of breath work. A lot of breath work. Anyway, back to the series of amazing phenomenal women who I connected with for the upcoming your own magic episodes. Now, of course, I talked to some amazing spiritual teachers, but also branched out a bit as there's some people doing some incredible things that light their soul and of course, This podcast's initial intention is just to talk to people who are living their magic to help us create and unleash our own magic. And I'm tuning back into that, having a variety of people on the show. For example, I have a costume designer mogul and someone who is in personal branding, but she uses it in an intuitive fashion, along with someone who is dedicated to helping people with taking care of plants and houseplants. And then I also have Megan and Nicole back on as we dive deeper into the healing powers of micro and macro dosing. Helping people heal through psilocybin is their magic. And today's guest, for example, I mean, I don't think I've ever had anyone in the tech industry. So this one's very exciting as today's special guest is a phenomenal woman whose magic is thriving and making waves and breaking the glass ceiling and shaking things up in the tech industry. There's nothing more that I love to see than a woman take over in a male-dominated space. And imagine you are financially cushioned, you're financially free, yet you only work two days a week. You travel and you just simply enjoy the other five days doing whatever you want to do, living life as you please. And that dream is the reality of today's guest. Tara Reed. And Tara Reed is the CEO and founder of the multi-million dollar tech startup, Apps Without Code, which teaches people how to come up with app ideas and build them without writing any code and has a well-known TEDx talk as well. Tara's company, Apps Without Code, has trained over 150,000 people across 14 countries in building their own apps and app-based businesses. And something that I love to see is that 80% of her clients are women and people of color and tech, you know, kind of rules the world right now, right? And so I'd love to see more women take over in the tech space. In this episode, we talk about breaking into the tech enterprise and the perks and challenges of creating an app and her very impressive and ideal 
work-life situation. And she also shares her experience working in this male-dominated industry. And she also talks about the importance of whatever you might have found challenging in life, you can turn that into your superpower and see where that takes you, not let it debilitate you. And shift the fear mindset, the mindset that holds us back. You know, I know you'll pocket several nuggets of gold in this episode, whether you're interested in the tech industry or creating an app or not. But who knows, maybe you'll be inspired to create an app. So with all that said, I believe it is time to let the magic begin with Tara Reed. Tara Reed, I'm so excited for this conversation because what you do is beyond phenomenal and you have helped so many people tap into this form of magic where they get to explore a world for themselves and create their own world through an app. It's absolutely amazing. First, where, where are you right now? I'm in Mexico City. So I have been living here for like seven months now. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. And you get to travel around, right? Yeah. So I travel around a lot. I sort of have one home base, but I would say two weeks out of the month, I'm somewhere else. No way. I love that life. I used to live that life in my late 20s. It was awesome. Now I'm just in California. And, you know with what you do. If anybody else is interested in living that kind of lifestyle, I mean, we'll talk about that because you have all the tips. Yeah, no, that's great. I think because I can work wherever there's Wi-Fi, I have the ability to sort of just move around. And I think probably there's been different iterations of what that life has looked like. I think the earlier version looked more like like doing it really on a budget. I think like the version that I have now has lots more flexibility and I'm not sort of, I think when people think about like having location independence, they typically think Think about like doing it super and backpacker style on a budget and it can look that way but it also can look like a more adult version of it too 100 percent, somewhere in between which is the way i lived um yeah so what is lighting you up most in the season of your life oh my gosh my dog is barking at someone at the window frankie come here it's okay anyway what is lighting you up most in the season of your life yeah okay so i have been spending a lot of time working on products Um, And when I mean products, I mean like making new software. I actually took a little bit of a break from making my own software because I had so many people asking me to teach them how to make their own software and how they could bring their app ideas to life that I took some time to really like help other people. And so if you look at my career trajectory, I started off building my own apps and products. And then I got invited to do this TEDx talk on building apps without code. And I just had so many people asking me like, hey, I'm not a computer genius. I want to learn about like app building. I want to be able to take my ideas and my visions and put it out into the world in technology format. Can you help me? And so I had so many people asking me that that it sort of took up a lot of my time. And so I'm really returning a lot now, now that like I've got a team of coaches and other people on my team for the training programs that I have that teach people how to build their own apps. Now that I have that really in place, I'm spending more time building software and tools again. And like, that's really lighting me. Really? So now you're creating your own stuff because you have an entire operation going on. Yeah. So you don't have to like help people one-on-one. That is awesome. What are some steps people can take to come up with a great app idea. Yeah. Okay. So I think the first thing you want to do if you're coming up with an idea is think about something you already know about. 
so many times I see people trying to like come up with an idea that's in a totally different field or industry, or they put this pressure on themselves that they have to come up with something no one has ever heard of before. So if you look at Uber, for example, right, like people were already carpooling, they were already doing like sort of sharing rides they just weren't doing it like in the backseat of someone's car right taxis already existed black cars already existed uber just took something and put a little spin on it or if you look at airbnb right that's that concept of subleasing people were already doing subleasing all the time on craigslist and these different sites they just put their own spin on it so the first thing i think if you relieve yourself of the pressure of coming up with something that's like revolutionary even the coolest ideas are just spins on something then you think about something you already know something about. What do I do for work? What do I do for a hobby? Um, and what's something that's hard or manual or time consuming about what I do for work or what I do for a hobby? What are you people still doing with spreadsheets, pen and paper, taking a long time to figure out? Those are the best app ideas to pursue. And it just probably takes some time to think about it. Because I was thinking like, man, I feel like every time I think of something, it really is already out there because people have been doing this for so long, but I'm sure that there's a lot of other ways you can spin on something. Yeah. So this is what I mean by like relieving yourself of the pressure of trying to come up with something that no one's ever done. That is not a criteria. Mm -hmm. And I think tech is the only place where we do that, where we think there can only be one of something, right? Like imagine someone saying like, I want to launch a hair salon business, but I can't because there's already a hair salon in Atlanta. You would never do that. You'd be like, I want to do hair the specific kind of way. And so I'm going to launch my own version. I think if there's room for Uber and Lyft to be in business, if there's room for Airbnb and VRBO, right, there's always more than one. If you walk down the bread aisle, there's tons. And so if you see, if you're like, oh, I think someone might already be doing something similar to that, that should not be a reason not to do it. You just want to figure out, like, who are the unique types of customers I want to do this for? Um, I'll give you an example of this. Like, let's say that you are a writer, you're an author, and you think about what parts of your job are hard or time consuming. Let's say maybe you you do freelance writing for clients, right? The communication back and forth to the clients, like that's hard. That takes a lot of time, right? The coming up with prompts and ideas, that's hard. That takes a lot of time. So you say like, what if I created a product that allowed me to communicate better with clients that allowed maybe my clients to be able to log in and like see the different writing stuff that I'm working on and post their ideas for revisions. And we can collaborate together on those sorts of things. It's sort of like a portal for your clients. Now, does do client portals already exist out there? Yes. Do ones specifically built for the use case and need of authors and writers working with freelance clients? Not that many. And so that's all you need to put like a little spin on it is like think about specifically who you want to serve and what they need. So they come up with an idea. Yeah. Now, what's very intimidating is the idea, okay, now I actually have to execute it, make this happen. I don't know how to code. I don't know what to do there. And I mean, that's why I got apps without code. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's right. So it used to be that if you wanted to make an app, you needed to learn computer language, like another language, essentially computer code to like build the app, build the software. And that's no longer the case. So there are now tools that let you drag, drop, point, click, like you're making a PowerPoint presentation. You drag what you want onto the page and then you tell the app what to do. You give it instructions in English. So an example of this is when the user clicks the button, then log them in. Like it literally says, if this, then that. Um, And it's written in English. So you can just write that logic sentence when the user clicks the button, then log them in. Or when the user clicks the button and the password's not correct, show the pop up that says wrong password. 
And so the process that I teach is teaching people how to give, how to build apps, drag, drop, point, click, and then tell the app what to do in English instead of some fancy computer language. Oh my gosh. And that sounds a little less intimidating, but still slightly intimidating. Uh, But do you see people that are completely technology challenge, totally overcome it and make it work? Yeah. So, so this concept of like, if this, then that we do all the time, Mm -hmm. right? If I'm ready to start recording the podcast, then press the button that says start. If we're ready to stop the podcast, then press the button that says stop. And it literally is like that, right? If I want a picture on the page, then click the button that says add picture. (laughs) If I want a video in my app, then click the button that says add video. Um, And so it really is that straightforward. That's awesome. So we've seen this happen like with website builders, right? There's like, I don't really love WordPress. I think it's confusing, Um, but like Squarespace and there's some others that are a little bit more simple to use. Um, where you want to add something to the page, so you drag it on. Like, it works just like that. Um, and so I see people who, as long as you can drag stuff around on the page, you can do this. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, and what are some pros and cons, in a sense? Like, what are some perks of creating an app? And then what are also some, perhaps, challenges one might face? Yeah. Especially trying to get it out there to people. Yes, for sure. Okay, so I would say the biggest pro about building an app, and I actually think it's useful for me to share, like, what an app even is, right? An app is just something people can log into. So sometimes we think about apps as just being like what's on your phone that you can download in the app store. And that is an app. However, when you go to gmail.com and log into your email, that's also an app. So it can be on the computer. When you go to facebook.com, it's also an app. So just something that logs in and can save things. So the benefit of having something like that is that you're able to scale your idea. When you build something with a technology platform, you can build it once and have millions of people, thousands of people use it. And so the biggest benefit of that is just the amount of impact and scale you can have on the world and users with building something with technology. You just get it out to more people with one amount of work versus if you were doing a consulting business, every single person that you work with and as a consultant, you've got to do the work all over again. You've got to do more work. Yes. That's the biggest benefit. That makes sense. That, that's, that's a huge perk, just being able to, all right, it's done. In, in a sense, it's kind of passive. I know it's kind of not because there's always something, but it, feel, it sounds like it's kind of passive. Yeah. I, for the most part, particularly when you're building without code, you might want to add new ideas add new features Mm -hmm. but um and then you do that you hit publish and everybody gets the notification there's an update check out the update um so that's the biggest benefit though i'd say the biggest con and negative is that there's a new thing for you to learn right if you're gonna go do a consulting business you kind of maybe already know something about your job or your hobby so you can go just talk to someone and you don't have to learn anything new you can just go talk to them and consult them on it If you are going to build a technology business, you've got to learn some of the technology component too. And so there's a new thing to learn. I think all in all, though, it ends up really increasing the value. I think if you look at other types of businesses that you might um, build, your ability to sell it one day is significantly lower than your ability to sell a technology business. So if you have a technology business, you can typically take the amount of money that you make and per year and multiply it by at least five. And that's how much you could sell it for. You make $100,000 a year, you can sell it for minimum five, half a million, 
right? And so the amount people will pay for technology businesses, if you want to sell it, that's another big perk. That is a perk. Do a lot of people you think go into it with the, the hope to sell so they can kind of like get it off their hands and just make some money? Or do you think most people want to stick with it? So even if you stick with it, most businesses, unless it's like a consulting business or an agency business, most businesses are sellable. If you start a laundry mat and you decide like, okay, I've been working on this for 10 years, 20 years, I'm ready to move on to something else. That is a sellable business. And I think sometimes people don't think about sellable businesses. But one of the cool things about technology is not only can you make money, you know, each year with the business, but you have a huge potential to then sell the business when you're done. Right. Okay, this is pretty awesome. So if you are into science-backed products when it comes to your health, your gut health, but also woman-owned products, I must introduce you to Equilibria. I'm so thankful I discovered them this year. I mean, Equilibria, they help you take on your wellness journey knowing that you have a dedicated one-on-one support to help you achieve your goals. So it's not like you're just taking a pill mindlessly. You actually get one-on-one support. That's awesome. And their signature product, which is EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense, it comes in a convenient three-in-one capsule form. And so this is specifically formulated to bolster digestive health and fortify gut barrier protection, among other benefits. And we know that a balanced gut not only enhances our immunity, but also contributes to our overall mental well-being and our quality of sleep, of course, having efficient digestion and even radiant skin. But what distinguishes Equilibria's probiotic supplement is its meticulous selection, which is tailored to women's health needs. And of course, like I said, science-backed, and they're also ensuring affordability without compromising potency. And as someone who once struggled pretty severely with gut health issues for years, I intensified my focus on gut health in, I'd say around 2020, and I'm thrilled to have recently discovered these products this year as, of course, they're backed by research for women's well-being, they're women-owned, and they support overall microbiome health, warding off harmful bacteria and enhancing our nutrient absorption. So head to myeq.com and use code MAGIC for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com. Dot com and use code MAGIC at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. Ladies, we all have different symptoms that time of the month. For me, my energy level happens to just dip insanely and I just feel a little down, you know, a little sluggish. And so I'm happy to share Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, and they are dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. And so here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. So, Hormone Harmony is for any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances, and it's perfect for symptoms that put a woman's life on hold, like racing thoughts and low moods, poor sleep and feeling tired all the time, occasional bloating and gas when you have no desire to get in bed next to someone, if you know what I mean, and also hot flashes and night sweats if you happen to be going through menopause. It's really great for women with menopause. So yeah, Hormone Harmony 
can help with all of these things. And for a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code MAGIC at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code MAGIC for 15% off today. Your hormones will thank you. Yeah. There's so many awesome apps out there as well. Like I was just, this just popped in my head just now. I, so my dog, my new puppy, he is having a hard time at the dog park. I live in a condo, so he needs to run around. And yeah. I was like, I wonder if there's anybody that lets you use their backyard, you know, and you just pay a little bit. Mm. And there are, if you can pay like 10 bucks an hour for just letting your dog run around their backyard. So cool. It's awesome because he just needs space. So it's just awesome that there's, whenever there's a problem, because I was even thinking, I'm like, man, if there isn't an app that helps people get these backyard spaces for their dog, I could create something like that. But fortunately there was, so I could do that for him. It's called Sniff Spot. But there's always something. There's like always, you just never know when you come across a problem. There's always something. That's exactly right. Or a challenge. That's exactly right. I'm also curious about your story. I want to know your story of getting into tech and then wanting to branch off and do your own thing and help other people, Um, especially since it's awesome that 80% of your clientele are women and people of color. So there's just, there's so much there that I want to hear all about your experience. Yeah. Okay. So, so I stumbled into tech on accident when I was in college. So I had always growing up, like I I think I was just like argumentative in class and things like that. And so I would get in trouble for that. And people, so one day I think someone said like, oh, you like to argue, you should be a lawyer. (laughs) And so I sort of internalized probably by the time I was in like fifth grade, like that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a lawyer. And the thing that's interesting is that the reason I was interested in being a lawyer was I liked logic, right? The ability to say like, no, well, you made this point before and that means this. Right. If you said this, then it means that. Right. It's just sort of like I liked logic is one of the things I realized. And and lawyer was like the clearest career path I could think of where I could like argue things with logic. Um, and so if you fast forward to college, like I was on sort of a pre-law track and I was interning at um, legal offices. I ended up at a compliance department at a brokerage. And what I would do, and also I was at the Legal Aid Society too. What would happen is like after I would do all of my work, I would go, hey, I think that there's a process. Like, there's a way we do this and I think it could be better. I reorganized the process. Or I made a spreadsheet more clear to help us organize all this information. And I realized that that was called something. Actually, my dad told me that one day. He was like, that's business. It's called business <laughs> process reengineering. You're engineering the process and the order of how they do things. That's business. You should look into business. It sounds like you like business. That's awesome. That's so <laughs> so cool. the next year, the next year I had applied to like business internships. And I actually ended up getting to a business analyst internship role at Google. I had not planned on working in tech. I had actually already accepted an internship offer somewhere else. Uh And I rescinded that offer, said, I'm not coming. I'm going to go to Google for the summer. And I sort of had, you know, stayed in tech ever since. That is so cool. I remember as well, when I was in college, Google was a lot of people's dream internship. That was the place they wanted to go. And that's cool. You got it. Yeah. So that was a really fun experience for me. And when I was there, I ended up making this like dashboard in Excel. And it kind of like Excel is the OG no code tool. 
Um, where you can do all kinds of calculations without coding. You just type it into the box, into the cells and make a little formula. And so that was my first like serious no code experience and really began pushing the boundaries of like, what, what kind of tools are out there for me to automate what I want to do on the internet? And I discovered Zapier and, and different tools that allow me to do things without coding. Mm, Okay. And then you were like, huh, I know a lot of people could use help since they don't know how to code. And you created that apps without code. Well, there was something else you created before apps without code, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I had continued working in tech Mm -hmm. and so I was working nine to five jobs in tech and I had an idea for my own app. I wanted to make an app that helped people find affordable artwork for their home because I was sort of decorating and renovating my space and I wanted to have an app where people could go on and have someone help them find art, like essentially be an art advisor for them. Oh, that is awesome. And I launched it as like a side project, uh-huh. just like a hobby kind of thing. And I started getting paying customers for it. People were interested. My first paying customer was someone who I posted about it on Facebook and someone replied to it. They were like someone that I had gone to high school with. Oh, cool. And then my second paying customer was someone who was like a friend of a friend at work. And then it expanded. Was it also Facebook? Yes. Okay. This is why I actually really advocate for like when you come up with an idea or something you think might possibly be an interesting idea to just mm-hmm. like actively share it, not to like hold on to it and not tell anyone, but actively share it. That's <laughs> how you get first customers and first interests. One thing that held me back with the app though is the money, knowing how expensive it is to create an app. Yeah. And when I read about you, I was like, this is perfect. This is exciting. I want to hear more. It's so expensive, right? Did yeah. you ever get quotes for how much it would cost? No, because I just did a Google search of how much it costs and I had an idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually like $20,000 an app yeah. to like hire someone to build an app for you. And so like for so many people, it's not an option. I know when I was launching my first app, like that wasn't an option. And that was why I was like, let me see if I can make this without coding. So that was exactly what led me to with that first app that helped people find artwork um i was like let me see how much of this i can do without coding and i kept pushing the boundary of finding tools that's awesome yeah and so that was the first app that i built did you just go and find like a ton of different third-party things to make it more seamless or did you even though you said there wasn't any any coding involved did you have to like figure out the html and great question i don't know if html is it i just think of myspace no that's totally right yeah i totally remember yes we we were all doing that on our site (laughs) yes i had different levels of sophistication and i got more sophisticated over time when i started all i did was take tools that i already knew how to do or could kind of figure out easily and use that so the very first version of what i made I used a software uh, that's like actually a surveying software called Typeform, right? So this is like very like basic, archaic, no code uh, product building. And so what I did was um, people would fill out the survey and I would ask them what questions on the survey about what kind of art they liked. Do you like painting or you like photography? Do you like abstract or do you like realist? And I would show them pictures so they could say what they liked. And then surveys have like show hide logic built in. An example of this is like, if you ask someone on a survey, what's your favorite color? The second question that comes after that can say like, great, you chose purple. Why do you like purple? Or great, you chose blue. Why do you like blue? And what the survey is doing is it's showing the blue question and hiding the green question. 
I think showing you the right question based on what you said before to show people if they said they liked paintings, I would show them the paintings and I would hide the photography. Or if they said they liked paintings that were in a certain budget, I would show them those things and hide everything else. And so that was the very first version of the product. I used like a $25 a month subscription to a survey tool. And I made my first $35,000 in revenue just using that kind of stuff that I already could figure out how to do. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. Did you sell this one? No, I actually still own this. I did not sell this. Cool. Um, I had raised money and had investors, so I didn't sell that business. I have other businesses that I have sold, but I did not sell How that. many businesses have you created? Mm, great question. I have six that I operate now um, and maybe wow. so like total eight. Oh my gosh. But this, I did read, and I don't know if this still applies today, but that you work two days a week while traveling the world and working from your laptop. So with your eight businesses, okay, can you paint us a picture and walk us through your week with this work-life balance that you have? Yes. Okay. So on Mondays, I have one-on-one meetings with the majority of the people that I manage. So at Apps Without Code, mm-hmm. for example, that's like the the directors of different departments, so marketing director, et cetera. And then for the other companies that I run, I've brought in sort of CEOs of those companies. So I meet with them. Mm-hmm. So I have meetings with people internally who I who work for me on Monday. On Thursdays, I have external meetings, people who with meetings of people who don't work at my company. And so when someone needs to schedule a meeting with me, if they work inside of the company, I send them my calendar that only has Mondays available right. and they may only pick a Monday date. And if I'm working with something externally, um, they have a Thursday date. And that's sort of how I organize my schedule. And the rest of the space is for me to design and do what I want. Sometimes it's watching TV. Yeah. Sometimes I have some, there's a project I'm really excited about. So I'm sketching and you know writing about that. But I don't have meetings on those other days. Oh, that is awesome. Okay. So sometimes even between the meeting days, you might do, like you might just relax, watch TV, and then you might want to work towards something. Yeah, that's right. It over-indexes towards relaxing, but sometimes I'm like so excited about a project that I can't help myself. It's awesome. And I love that you can do this through apps. And I think also, like I said before, I, this is something I really want to highlight. 80% of your clientele are women and people of color, which it says here, helps close the tech industry gender and minority gap and I'd love to hear about your experience in tech through that I don't know if you have the stats of the industry do you happen to have the stats I don't have the stats I looked it up I looked it up. Tell me what they are. Okay, I'll tell you. So, and this was from both Pew Research and Statist, I think it was called. Uh I read that 73.3% of tech-related jobs are men, leaving women with 26.7%. And I also did read that perhaps about 1.42% are openly non-binary. Of the 26.7% of the women, only 9% are POC. I read 5% were Asian, 3% Black, and 1% Hispanic. Yeah. And on top of that, the women who uh, manage to break into this industry are often met with lower pay for the same grade of work. And also that also varies with color too. Like the white women make slightly more than POC and it's insane. So I'm just curious if you had that sort of experience, if you recognize that when you were working in tech, because this is a cycle that needs to be broken. And I love that you have this platform out there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I 100% saw that working in tech, Um, particularly working at big tech companies at Google, at Microsoft, mm -hmm. like it was very male dominant. Yeah. Um, 
very little diversity. Like it kind of just all looks like one thing. Yeah. And even when we think about who, like imagine a tech entrepreneur in our head, like we pretty much think about one thing immediately too. And so for me, I, I think that women, that people of color come up with all kinds of different use cases for technology and things that they need and things that they think community will need. And and I think that's so important that our ideas are out there too, particularly on the entrepreneurship front. Sort of some of the things you're mentioning are like jobs and people working in, in companies, but then there's another layer of that, which is people starting their own thing. Right. So Correct. I think that the way that maybe I explain things or just the fact that I am a woman of color. I think a lot of other women, a lot of people of color, like I would love to do what you're doing. Or I think sometimes just seeing someone else who looks like you doing something helps a lot. And I think a lot of my job here on this earth is to sort of represent that and to get people inspired about how they could do that themselves, particularly women, particularly people of color can do it themselves too. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So have you seen a shift? Because this, like you said, is tech related jobs, but I didn't look at the statistics for humans creating their own. Yeah. So I know that when it comes to entrepreneurship, right, we know that like women are really entrepreneurial. We know that women of color are really entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. I think it's actually like a really great way to say, like, listen, like this industry, when it comes to jobs, may not be built and set up for me. So I'm going to go create my own thing. And a lot of the folks that I work with, for example, there's a woman named Tess who recently went through my program and she built an app that's like specifically for women in a scenario where like, I think most men would not have come up with the idea. Um, and she came up with her idea from backpacking. Her company is called Her House. And so she came up with the idea from backpacking around the world as a woman and realizing that there's all these extra needs for community community and resources and places to stay that feel safe and that are vetted for women. And so she built this app to help women travelers feel safe on their traveling journeys. And she's gotten so many users. She's winning awards for all of that's this. That's awesome. And her app is called Her House. And so that's an example of something that like likely a guy's not going to think of, right? That like that needed to come from her. Right. So, so cool. I love it. And I also read that when you were younger, uh, you struggled with math and you had a love for breaking the rules, which same, by the way, (laughs) yet you took those struggles and you turned them into your superpower, your greatest strength. And and you launch companies in a rule-breaking yeah. way. And I feel like a lot of us have these unique battles um, and struggles, especially that come from our childhood uh, that we have to overcome. And it's amazing that instead of seeing it as a flaw, you turned it into a superpower and now you're like thriving from that experience. And so for those who happen to be struggling in this way, how can we recognize what we might consider flaws or challenges as a superpower? Yeah, so... I definitely, when I was growing up, was like, I'm not good at math, this like math, science stuff, like that's not for me. And I don't think it like growing up, I no one explained to me really like how math was going to be useful in my life. It just felt like this like random academic thing. Like I I didn't really get it. Um, And I still to this day, like I have trouble like I don't know my multiplication tables for example as like a full-grown adult I still use my calculator on my phone and what I learned was that like if I needed to do something with math I needed to like type it in somewhere I needed to put it either in a calculator or like excel was really useful because I could like put it into excel and excel would do all the work for me and 
as I mentioned earlier, like Excel is like the the original no code tool where you type in stuff, you know, in your own format and it does the equations for you. It does the calculations for you. And I think I gravitated to those tools first for help, but then realized that they could actually like really get me very far. So I think that if you're finding yourself like, oh, I'm not good at this thing, it could be like technology, it could be math, it could be science, whatever it is. Um, usually there's some sort of bridge. For me, it was like typing something into a piece of technology and like that just made the answer for me. Like there's usually some sort of shortcut. And I think in school, we teach people not to use shortcuts, but in real life, like finding the workaround, maybe shortcuts, not the right word, the workaround. <laughs> the workaround, yes. Finding yes. the workaround, that's how you succeed. So I would just say like the, the key here is to lean into the workaround, not to say like, I'm never going to do that again because I'm not good at it, but like to find workarounds that make things easy for you and then lean into that. For me, like it was like, oh, math is hard, but if I put it into technology, that's the workaround, it does the math for me let me lean into like the workaround and just use that I mean well said well said now a lot of people are probably perking up listening to your story and your experiences and envisioning perhaps a similar success like oh my gosh that'd be so cool to have this well-oiled machine and just work two days a week and just travel and do whatever (laughs) you know and and they they, and of course obviously they can't but I, I, I don't know if you've experienced this. I've definitely experienced where I feel so inspired by something I listen to. Afterwards, I either just forget it or it's perhaps my anxieties and my fears and my blocks that creep in and yeah. prevent me from even wanting to try. So do you have any recommendations on how we can reprogram our mind or overcome those blocks that keep us from wanting to take the leap in starting a company or achieving the success that we may envision for ourselves? Yeah, I think I have two ideas here. I think first is like a mindset shift. Mm -hmm. The first is, I think sometimes people think that the way that stepping out to do something scary works is that first you get over the fear and then you do the thing. Mm -hmm. But that's typically not the way that it works. It's actually reverse. You just do the thing. You do it scared anyway. (laughs) And then once you get to the other side, that's the only time that the fear goes away. And I think the difference between people who are like really successful and people who sometimes get stuck on something is that they think that being unscared is the prerequisite. So I think if you're like, I'm really inspired about this, but I don't like really know what to do. Like, I think it just requires you like jumping in and starting a thing and trying it before you feel oh, okay, I can do this. The okay, I can do this comes on the other side of trying it. That's so true. So that's the first part of like what I think people can do. And then I have, if you go to my website, appswithoutcode.com, I have these free classes that I do. They're three-day classes. It's like an hour each day. And by the end of it, you will have built your first app. I pick popular apps people know. So we build Instagram, we build Fitbit, just you know, popular apps. And so I show you click by click, step by step what to do. They're live. They're really fun. They're a party. I play music at the beginning, kind of do dance parties to warm up. <laughs> um, and by the end of it, you'll see how you can make your own app and you will have made your own app that you can use and share with friends. And that might be a good way to just like dip your toe into this and see how it works. Oh my gosh, wait, that's free? Yeah, I do those free. That is so cool. And uh, is it live or is it a class that's already been recorded? It's totally live. So I go live in the evening and then we do it together. I give the recording afterwards as homework in case you want to like pause, fast forward, review it. Um, But I do them live. 
their little party. That's so cool. Apps without code, right? Apps without code.com. Exactly. Okay. And then also in your tag talk, did you say that successful people find a way to start before they are ready? Yeah, that's right. Brilliant. And it's kind of what we're talking about. Do you mind elaborating on that more? Yeah. So this is some of what I was mentioning earlier, where like sometimes people think that they have to like feel ready first and then they can start. But like one of the characteristics of successful people is that they start before they feel ready that the readiness comes like in the middle of the project and even like maybe towards the end of the project, but not at the beginning. And so if you're putting that as criteria for you, that you feel ready is criteria, you may be putting the wrong criteria. Successful people start before they feel ready. Mm, mm, that is so, so, so true. I'm also curious what your TED Talk experience was like. How did it feel stepping out there and giving your TED Talk, creating the TED Talk and having half a million people listening? So... I had a lot of fun with it. I did like musical theater and like theater stuff growing up. So it didn't feel too, too, too scary for me to do. Um, I think there are other things that like fit into my, we all have like different things that feel like the most scary for us. Um, That felt fun to do. I did not know though that that many people were going to be watching. Like it occurred to me that I was presenting just to the audience in front of me. I didn't think about people digitally seeing it a lot later. So maybe that was better that I was just thinking about the audience in front of me instead of like people seeing it for years afterwards. And it's still helping people to this day. People are still looking at it because I went on and there's, you know, people still leaving comments like a couple months ago. And you know, you recorded it a while ago. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Years ago. Yeah. So when is your next live class on app development, the three day app, what is it called? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a three day make your own app challenge. So I am in make your own app challenge. I'm actually in one now. I'm doing one this week. The next one that I do will be in. I do them every single month. So if you keep an eye out on my website, I'll put them out each month. Um, This week, for example, we're building an Instagram style app. I haven't decided what we're going to build next. If you guys have ideas, you can message me and let me know. But we'll build another. (laughs) Yeah, like something something popular or, um, yeah, we'll pick something fun to create together. And so you can see how it works and in three days have something made. Have you done like an Airbnb challenge one? That would be cool. Yes. We've done, but I would love to do it again. Like yeah. TikTok, Airbnb, Fitbit, Uber. Yeah. Um, like masterclass for <gasps> teaching things. Yes. Um, yes. Stuff like that. Everything you just named. Also, there's like meditation apps. Now there's so many meditation apps and a lot of them are very successful. Yeah. There's so many, obviously social media. There's so many dating apps and I hear new ones all the time. Yeah. That's but right. even the Airbnbs, like I'm on Airbnb, I'm on VRBO, I'm on Homestay, I'm on Hello Landing. Like there's so many. That's exactly right. Yeah. I like that you said that you don't have to feel like, okay, there's already something out there. I can't create one. That's right. That's right. (laughs) And also didn't Lyft or there was one that was created before Uber and Uber just ended up exploding because they just made it better. I think Lyft might have come after Uber. A a great example of that is Facebook. Yeah, Yeah. Right. MySpace already existed in all kinds of, there were so many precursors even to MySpace. Right. Yeah. So there's all kinds of room. Yes, there is. Oh my. Now you have this life where you've created this world where you get to travel and you've manifested a wonderful life for yourself. I'm curious if you were someone who just executed and it just ended up manifesting or if you were somebody that sat back and also did a little bit of manifesting, visualizing to create this world. Mm, I think that I have built this schedule, for example, iteratively. Okay. Because when I first 
I, first of all, it had to start with a crisis. Right. So my first crisis was that I was just completely overworked. I was working every day. I was working all day. I was exhausted. And I had taken, I, like, my mom invited me to go on like a cruise with her. And the nice thing about going on a cruise, some things I hate about cruises. The nice thing about going on a cruise, though, was that like I was cut off from like good Wi-Fi for like a whole period of time. And I had had a really, at the time, I, I was an entrepreneur, but I had a very small team. I think there were maybe like two people who were working for me at the time. And it everything did not burn down. It was okay. And I thought like, oh, shoot. Okay. So like I can maybe step away. And actually people stepped up. They 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 were like, okay, like Tara's gone. We got to figure it out. And I saw how it was actually a positive thing for the business that I was trying to build. So I decided that I was going to take one day a week, just one. Like it wasn't like, oh, overnight I like built this schedule where I like work only a few days a week. I was like, one day a week, I'm not going to work. Fridays, I'm going to like not be plugged into like being able to like be on meetings and calls on Fridays. And on Fridays, I decided I was going to go be a tourist in my own city instead. Like that was what my Fridays were for. And then after that was going well for a while, I like added Mondays on there. and. So I added some days where I had this like longer weekend and it had me go like, okay, well, what else do I want to do with my time and how do I want to prioritize? And so it was like a slow incremental thing. It wasn't like an overnight. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Okay. That is awesome though. And then now you can be hands off most of the time and you know, that's, that's so great. And also you're providing jobs, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Are you ready for some rapid fire? Yes, let's do it. Do you have any other messages, though, before rapid fire that are coming to heart? No, I think this was great. Amazing. Okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Yes. Uh, Fave form of body movement? Form of body. Hip-hop dancing. Love it. Where is your happy place? In my apartment in Mexico City. I'm, like, total homebody. So, like, I love to be home. Like, I'm a total cancer. Same. I'm a cancer rising. Do you – (laughs) okay. Question. (laughs) Do you know your big three? Okay. always get them confused but i think i'm a capricorn <laughs> rising uh-huh okay i can see so that it's like cancer and capricorn are like very different i like yes. definitely have these like tensions of the two mm-hmm. um but i'm definitely that. a homebody yes. and like need my space yes 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 i'm also my placements are very heavy in capricorn and leo but cancer is a huge one for me uh-huh. and i'm a homebody as well so i noticed when i traveled i craved being in one place i craved being home i craved being just like to myself a lot of the time or and I also craved going back to the states a lot because I just wanted to be home 1000% yes yeah when I think about traveling I don't think about being out and about and like doing tourist things and being <laughs> in the city and being in the streets it's not that interesting right I feel like I'll, I'll feel like I'll miss out if I don't do a little bit but I don't want to do a lot of it and people that if I travel with someone that wants to just go explore explore I'm like oh can I just like chill for a bit <laughs> yeah no I, I'm the same exact way I think for me traveling what it does is it just creates a a regularly refreshed sense of awe in terms of my view of the world. Like, oh, there's newness. And I think that that attitude keeps me happy. 
Yes, exactly. And appreciating and awe. I'm like, oh my gosh. Some yeah. freshness, some newness. Nice being in new environments. I feel you 1000%. Yeah. Do you happen to have a morning routine? No, my morning routine is to sleep in as late as possible and like get to the meeting <laughs> last minute. I love it. Are you a night owl? More, yeah, for sure. More of a night owl than a morning person. Like I, I'm not doing any meetings before 10. Really 11 is my preference. (laughs) Okay, so yeah, no morning routine. Do you have any TV shows that you're watching right now? Oh my gosh, so many. I love TV. Okay, um, what am I watching right now? There's a really stupid, uh, when it's Korean show, that's called Singles Inferno that I'm watching, a guilty pleasure watching. It's so silly. It's like a dating show. I've never heard of it. Um, Okay, what else am I watching? Oh, and then also somewhat recently on... Um, on Netflix, there is a a show that came out about the founding of Spotify that was really oh. good. And the way that the show works is the first episode is from the founder's perspective. And then at the end of that episode, the record executive from the record label who gave them the rights to use the music in their platform goes, that's not how the story went. Let me tell you how it really happened. And then he tells his story in the next episode. And at the end of that episode, like the lawyer who drafted like the contract to like really make the music licensing work that way was like, that's not how it happened. It wouldn't have happened without me. Let me tell you how it really happened. And the engineer goes like, everybody tells their version of the story and it's really fun. No way. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds so messy. Wait, what is that called? It's called The Playlist. Okay, The Playlist. They all have their own versions. I love it. I'll probably watch it. Yeah, everybody's a totally different version of the story. Yeah. (laughs) And if you could gift everyone you know a book, what would it be? Interesting. Okay, my favorite book that I like reread all the time is called Levels of Energy. Yeah. Um, It's a little woo-woo, but it's essentially about like the... Love it. (laughs) The... everybody's got a different like they they consider like a level of energy to be like an average emotional state so like you've spent time for Mm -hmm. example with people who are like really depressed all the time or kind of like grumpy all the time or something like that like you can feel that and it feels a certain it's a certain vibration and like you know what that feels like it's an average emotional state versus versus like on the completely end of the spectrum it's like a monk or something right like that's a totally different average (laughs) emotional state of like peace and there's a bunch of stuff in between. There's a ton of stuff in between. And so like this book is about like what each of the the, the phases are in between and sort of like how one can sort of like change and improve their like average emotional state. That sounds good. That sounds good. So that's the one. Like I, I like all of my friends read it. We talk about it a lot. Yeah, it's by uh, I think Frederick Dodson. It sounds it sounds really good. And this is the last question that I ask all the Euro Magic guests. How would you advise the Your Own Magic listeners to create their own magic? I think I'm going to go back to one of the points that we had and talked about earlier, right? About doing things that feel scary and creating like a really magic filled life by getting on the other side of fear. It's like a regular practice. That would be my advice. So beautifully said. Oh my gosh, Tara, this has been such an awesome, exciting, expansive episode. And I'm sure many people are so interested in finally creating their app idea that I feel like everybody has some. So um, where can everyone connect with you and learn more about you and get involved? Yeah. So I'm I'm on most social platforms at Tara Reed underscore R-E-E-D. 
T-A-R-A-R-E-E-D underscore. Um, and then my website where you can check out classes that I have coming up that are free are appswithoutcode.com. So great. All that's in the show notes. And Tara, come back on anytime. This episode is so fun. Yeah. Like I loved, love talking about this. It's a little different than what I usually have people talk about. It does actually satisfy my Capricorn side, I'd say. I love so, it. <laughs> um, so yeah, thank you so much, Tara. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Thank you. You too. Have a good one. Yomis, it is time for the outro. Thank you so much for tuning into the Your Own Magic Podcast for the creative and the curious soul. And don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already to be notified when a new episode is alive. And if you have a spare moment and you feel the nudge to, it would mean the world if you left a five-star rating and review. And I'm looking forward to reading whatever your heart has to say. And feel free to say hi as well and connect with the community by visiting the Your Own Magic Facebook group linked in the show notes. And if you have any future topic ideas or a question that comes to heart you'd like me to cover, then I'd love, love, love to hear from you in our topic box on the Your Own Magic website at yourownmagicpodcast.com. And there you'll also find a membership portal leading to guided meditations by me and some journaling prompts, some spiritual or creative tools, and more. And of course, feel free to stop by the new online shop for artisan jewels, trinkets, and more at eyesofaspen.com. And with that said, have a magical rest of your day. Send them my love, Jai Ma. Thank you.